0: Mark chapter 2. Um, again, last week, I felt like some really neat things were happening in the in the uh, area of considering others, specifically uh, unreached people, lost people. We talked about blind people, um, lost people. But we also talked about people who are unchurched, maybe people who do love the Lord, but they've just been disconnected from the church or whatever. And, um, you know, I can't wait. I can't get away from how much... God loves people and how much He wants them to live a life that He's called them to live and and provided by His death and burial and resurrection and the power of His Holy Spirit to live. He wants that so much for all of us. And again, last week we talked about um, uh, a blind man or bringing a blind man to Jesus. We made some great statements here. I want to look at Mark chapter 2 and um, I'll tell you, and this is coming from, 90% of this is coming from a devotional. Every week in staff, uh, one, of the, one of the staff members share a devotional and we, we pray for you guys and the needs of the church and stuff. This, uh, the majority of this is coming from a devotional that Jesse Dupree, our worship leader, shared, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago now. And uh, we were just like, man, it's really good. And, and uh, all of us were kind of adding uh, ingredients into the things that she was sharing. And so I wanted to share uh, some of that. Is that cool with you? So let's begin reading in Mark chapter 2. It says, When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof. Above him, and when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying and Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven and it goes on uh, with a, a few more details in the story that you 're welcome to read later, and if we have time, we might get to some of those, but it goes on to say that he moved not not only in forgiving his sins but also healed his infirmity, healed his uh, his uh, paralyzed state. And it, it says at the end that, um, it says that he got up immediately, picked up the pallet, and went out of sight of everyone, said that they were all amazed and glorifying God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. So this story ends with this man walking and being functional again. Um, I wanted to go back, and we're going to cover just a little bit of it. Look what it says. When he had come back to Capernaum several days Afterwards, and there's a backstory to that you're welcome to dive into. You might remember several weeks ago when we were in the uh, Lessons from the Land series coming out of Israel, our, our team, I talked about Capernaum. I talked about how that was the place where Jesus uh, set up his uh, hub for ministry. In fact, if you remember back then, that sermon in the sentence is When our house is close to his house, then our house becomes a hub for the Holy Spirit. And there were a lot of great things that happened in the house, which most scholars believe was actually the house of Peter. And that's where he healed Peter's mom. You guys remember that? We were there and we talked about how his house was just right outside of the courtyard of the temple. And that was the, actually the temple where Jesus stood up and began reciting Isaiah 61 or reading Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the good news, to set the captives free, and that whole thing. And he basically says, "This day you have seen this fulfilled." That's the place where it happened in Capernaum, in that temple, and just outside of that. I mean, less than less than seventy-five yards away, a hop, skip, and a jump. He walked afterwards and uh, to Peter's house, and it says he healed Peter's mom. That's Capernaum. That's where he was. So it says that he had come back to Capernaum from doing some things, and. Um, and it was heard that he was home. Again, he was probably at Peter's mom house. And it says that many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. And I painted a picture of how congested all the houses were just really close, stacked around the temple. And so there's not a whole lot of room. If you could see it, uh, I guess I could have posted the pictures again. But if you could see it, it's just like really congested. And you think of a couple of thousand people trying to press into this one little house. It really is an overwhelming story. It says that he was speaking the word to them. And they came, they meaning people, came bringing to him, Jesus, a paralytic carried by four men. And I wanted to look at those two words specifically tonight. Paralytic, carried, by four men. But specifically paralytic and carried. And the word carried comes from a word That literally means to expiate. Now, I didn't know what that meant. Expiate. So I looked it up. And expiate means to put an end to. It means to extinguish the guilt incurred by. It means to make amends for. You guys following me? Uh, If you wanted to write a simple definition of the root word of that word, it comes from a root word that means to atone for. It's very interesting. It also means to loose. And so you think about these men carrying this paralytic on this mat or on this... Um, whatever it was, carrying them, they had one thing in mind and that was to put an end to this man's situation. You hear what I'm saying? They were so concerned for him. There's a strong, again, lin- linguistic connotation that in, it was in their heart even to see him released from the guilt of his sin because of where this root word comes from. But bottom line, they had a heart to see their friend's life radically changed inside and out, and they knew that there was only one place where this could happen, and that was in the presence of Jesus. That's what we've been talking about. And last week, we asked a question, um, especially during ministry time, and we had a time of prayer. The question was, who are the people in our lives that we have a heart to see radically changed? Who are those people in our lives? Be they brothers, or sisters, or moms, or dads, or or children or whatever. Who are the co-workers, family, friends, whatever? Who are the people in our lives that we have a heart? And I think God has been stirring our hearts. But a heart to see them radically change. That's something we asked last week. And people came forward and were praying for very specific people. I want to add a question to that this week. And that is, who have we been in their lives? Who have we been in their lives? We get that we are their brother or we are their sister, or we are their coworker, or we are, we, we get that. We understand who we literally, tangibly are in their lives, but I mean answering that in a bigger way. Who are we, who have we been in their lives? And I want to look at that word carried again, because the, the actual word, not the root word, but the follow-up of that root word, of the word carried is ah "e," bro Everybody say ah. Yeah, that was pretty good. The H sounded good, class. Ah E ro. Say it a little faster. Ah E ro. Ready? Ah E ro say it a little faster. Ah Hero. As fast as we can. Ah Hero. Did you guys hear that? There's a song about it.
1: I need a hero.
0: Sorry. If you can't refer to old school music, then what do you really have? (laughs) A hero, a hero. And what it means, again, the root word is to put an end to, to lose, uh, even to atone for. But this word actually just means to lift up. That's the most common use of this word, to lift up, a hero. If you want to write a sermon in the sentence... For tonight, the one thing I, I hope that you take away, you have to pay attention to understand while I'm saying this. Here, here it is. God wants us to be heroes. Write that down. God wants us to be heroes. Now listen to me. When I say that God wants us to be heroes, I'm aware and you're aware that, that He is the hero. Isn't that right? He is the one that saves. He's the only one that saves. He is the hero. He is the champion. He is the one that has won the victory over sin, death, and the grave. All of the things that you benefit from His kingdom, from knowing Him, He is the one that made that possible. Paul says, it wasn't anything we did, lest any man boast. He is the hero. He is the champion. But listen to me, we can be a hero for people. We can. We are able to champion For people. You guys hear what I'm saying? Now I want to say that again. We can be a hero in people's lives. We can champion. We can champion for people. What kind of a man was it that they carried, that they lifted up, that they brought to Jesus, that they wanted to see the situation come to an end. It says that he was a paralytic. Now think about that. What do we know about someone who is paralyzed? A paralytic. It's someone that can't move. It's someone that can't do anything for the most part depending upon the state of their paralysis. But for the most part someone who cannot do for themselves. Something is off in their body and in their brain. You guys see that? You understand what I mean when I say that? There is a massive disconnect inside of them. They're paralyzed. Their body's not working properly. I was thinking about this and reading about this and this is something too that Jesse brought attention to. It's like This is really a, a, maybe it's a picture of someone who is spiritually paralyzed. I want you to let that sink in because I think all of us as believers have been in a place where we've been kind of spiritually paralyzed. And you can certainly apply that to a lost person that doesn't know the Lord. But tonight I want us to specifically think about someone that knows the Lord. And you hear me talk about the statistics of people that know the Lord but will not connect themselves to church because of hurts, pains, disappointments, disillusionment, all of those things. But I want you to consider someone that knows the Lord. Maybe they're in the church. Maybe they're outside of the church and need to be in the church. But someone who is in a state of spiritual paralysis. Can you picture that? Can you think about that? You might think, well, what does spiritual paralysis look like? And there's a number of things. We could go through a list of things. But for the most part, it is someone who just can't seem to move spiritually. It's someone that just can't seem to do for themselves what needs to be done in their walk with the Lord. There is a major disconnect spiritually. And if you know anything about being in a state of disconnect spiritually, ultimately that means disconnection from the Lord. You know that when a a state of disconnection comes with the Lord things start happening in our lives that are just not good. Sin begins to increase and then increase even more and then becomes more than evident. It becomes rampant. You guys hear what I'm saying? And before you know it, because of the disconnect and your inability to move yourself out of it, you're just paralyzed, you find yourselves in places that you never would have thought that you would be. Spiritual paralysis, thinking about this. Jesse, talking about this. And I think people that need, people that are spiritually paralyzed, listen to me. They need a hero, right? Now, we know who their hero is, don't we? Come on, we're on the same page with that. Jesus is their hero. In this story, the four men, I think it's interesting that there's four Remember how sometimes when I see numbers, I'm like, oh, that's representative of something. A lot of times in Scripture, four is a picture of the gospel. Why? Because there are four gospels to give testimony to Jesus and the power of the gospel. Amen? These guys representing the gospel. The gospel is bringing them, lifting them up, lifting him up, atoning for, bringing into a, a the situation. You love that picture? You just sometimes have to think a little deeper on that. What they need is a hero. And you can write this down. A hero is simply someone who inspires hope. A hero is someone who inspires hope. And this is, I want you to write three things down. How can we be a hero to the people who, ...in our lives, our friends, our families, our co-workers... ...whatever it is, maybe still lingering from last week's question... ...who are the people in our lives that need radical change? Maybe they're spiritually paralyzed, they need to be brought out of that. Who is that? How can we be a hero for them? And and before we jump into these, let me say, bottom line... ...for some people, we know that Jesus is the hero... He is the champion, but he puts us on assignments, bottom line, to be heroes for people, to champion for people. Amen? Is that true or is that not? I love it because it means he would entrust me with such a thing, that he would equip me for such a thing, which is what the church is for, the building up and equipping of the saints. Why? So we can go out and be mini-me Jesuses, little heroes. Who know how to champion for people's lives? Amen. How can we be a hero to the people in our lives? What did we say? What did we say? The definition of carried was a hero. A hero means simply to, to lift up. You guys wrote that down, right? So let's think about that. The first way that we can be a hero to people is just to simply lift them up in prayer. Isn't that the starting point? That, that, that coined phrase in our Christianese vernacular, I was just, brother, I'll be lifting you up in prayer. We think, wow, where did we come up with that one? Well, that's actually quite scriptural. That's the first way that we can champion for someone. It's the first way that we can be a hero in someone's life. is to pray for them, to lift them up in prayer. There's scriptures all over the place. If you want to write Ephesians 6.18 down, you can write 1 Corinthians, First. Uh, I'm sorry, First Timothy two, verses one, two, three, and four talks about that. All kinds of places where it says that when we pray for others, God responds and does things. And there's urges Paul all the time was urging that we pray for others, that we keep them in prayer, that we always continually praying for the saints. Amen. That's, that's the first, and that's baseline, baseline way that you can be. I always wanted to be a hero. Never felt like I fit very well into a Superman costume. Well, that's okay. If you can't sport the six pack like Superman, you can be a hero by praying for the people that you have burdens for. I think there are people who have burdens, or they feel sorry, or they feel bad about someone who's in in that place, but they're not praying. Whoa, let's 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 be clear. You can be a hero, and you you know the, what is it the uh, The fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man accomplishes or accomplisheth. If you want to go King James, accomplisheth much. That means when we are people who are pursuing the Lord, we are not spiritually paralyzed. We are as righteous in the Lord as we can possibly be according to His grace and His mercy. Amen. (laughs) And walking by the Spirit. The fervent, effectual prayers of a righteous man accomplishes much. So be a hero by keeping your life in line, in order, and in right relationship with the Lord. So that when it's time for you to champion for someone else, your prayers will be received and answered. Amen? That's a promise. I'm not making that up. You know, that, that's in Scripture. Right? Another way that we can be a hero to people's lives is to lift them up. Everybody say, lift them up. With encouragement. With encouragement. Again, these are just baseline things and not even that hard. Someone in, in, in your life that maybe it's, uh, they've been spiritually paralyzed for, the long, for a long time and maybe they're at a place where there's not anything catastrophic going on in their life. You just know that they're like... And maybe you're someone like that. Maybe you're here and you're like, dude, I feel like I've been spiritually paralyzed for the last six months or the last six years. And it's not that you're in any gross sin, but you're just like, you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? It's a funky feeling. You're like, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, 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 you know, I don't know what to do. I have found that in those times, for me personally, when I'm just kind of in a spiritual funk, man, encouraging words go a long way. Just someone who would come up and say, I believe in you. Maybe something from Scripture. Hey, he who began a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. You know? just all kinds of things again it's a baseline effort you know you don't even have to have a cape for those two right Edna mode no capes how many of you even know what I'm talking about oh thank you <laughs> and friend anyway we are parents of we ones aren't we Lift them up in prayer. Lift them up with words of encouragement. Simple things. Making an effort. And can I just say that, that it is good to pray, but if you really want to champion for someone, go another step. Face-to-face. Text, email, letter, tattoo. Dude, look at my new tattoo. Please be encouraged. Oh, wow, that's great. Really... Whatever you got to do. Go the extra step and encourage people. Look what it says here. This is what stood out, I think, most to Jesse and it stood out to me. It says, They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, being unable to get to him because of the crowd. Now think about that. We talked about that a little bit. It was just, I mean, the streets were full. The doorway was full. There was no way into that house. People were gathered. It was just, it was impossible. What an obstacle. Let me tell you something. There are some people that in their lives, where they're at in their spiritual paralysis, there is some sort of obstacle. It is either something super discouraging in their life, it is maybe some maybe a mindset in their uh, in their mind, maybe it's a it's a uh, uh, some sort of iniquity in their heart that's damaged their emotional ability to respond to the way the gospel is. Something that needs to be connected. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Sometimes it has gone so far. Now there is a sin that is, has so easily entangles. And when you're entangled, it doesn't matter if you're trying to move or not. You can't get out. The only way you can be caught out is if a hero comes along and cuts you out. Isn't that right? Well, that's just what Jesus does. He just does that. Yes, he does and he uses the saints. Amen. I love what it says. These guys wouldn't take no for an answer. They were going to persevere past the problem. It says, being unable to get to him, talking about Jesus, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. I know we've heard this story before, but come on. There's four guys and I'm sure they were stout. You know, they were probably you know, from the German team. They were probably strong. And they could probably carry that thing. But listen, they got this man. Not only... They had already lifted him up. They lifted him up higher. They took him to the top of the house. And when they got up there, you know, you, uh, this version says they removed the roof. What does your version say, somebody? Huh? Uncovered the roof. And these are, these are quaint little words. But that is not what this word means. That word has a... Um, Uh, uh, it, it means violently. And I say it this way. Number three, the way you can be a hero for someone is rip off the roof. Rip off the roof in their life. Now this is a little harder to explain because this may look like different things in different people's lives. But the point, the baseline point, is that there is such an intense desire to see them their situation put to an end, loosed from their situation, that you go beyond prayers, you go beyond words of encouragement, and you put your hand on that person some way or another and you say, come on boy, we're getting out of there. I won't let you stay there. Amen? We take them and we say, come on. We do something. We rip off the roof in their lives. And ripping off the roof in their lives can look like several different things. Again, who knows? Maybe right now, you're thinking of someone in, in your life that you're trying to champion for, you're trying to be a hero for, and you've done everything. You've done everything. Or you feel like you have. But have we violently, and I don't mean like you go, <laughs> I just mean, is there a sense of urgency and violence? I was thinking about something that Melissa and I watched. Uh, I don't know if it was a YouTube thing or something on, on TV. And maybe you guys have seen this. Um, but there was a boy on the beach, and he was actually like a 14-year-old boy, 12, 14-year-old boy. And I guess, I guess you can dig in the sand, but if you dig a hole deep enough, you hit some sort of pocket, and then that actually can crater out from under you. And there's this teenage boy that was there one minute and gone the next. He had hit some sort of pocket, and the sand, all that just went whoops. And nobody, you know, it took a few minutes for people to notice, dude, where did Joe go, you know? And all of a sudden they realized that he wasn't there. And I don't know if they, I think maybe they, they um, got the lifeguard involved. And the lifeguards would have been trained to know, here's what could have happened. And so the people are like, what? And you just, they start digging out that sand. You guys hear what I'm talking about? They're digging out that sand. Why? Because this guy is underground. I mean, he has a certain amount of time before he is dead. Isn't that Right. Because of auction deprivation and all those things. So you just see, and then more people were coming. And more people were coming. And more people were coming. And everybody, and people's got buckets. And they're digging. And they're digging. And, and there's, they're organizing more. And more people are coming. And more people. And all these people were digging out and digging out and digging out. And they, they got, they just kept digging. And they couldn't find him. And it got more and more intense because of the countdown of how long you, before you, you know. They dig and they dig. And, I, and that to me. Is the level of intensity that these men were digging for their friend? They wanted him loosed from his situation, and they weren't going. Okay, now listen, uh, jackhammer, nail, you know, or whatever hammer. I'm done. You know what I mean? They weren't. It's like it wasn't this. Like, okay, make sure that we can put this back in order when we're done. They were like, I don't give a rat's tail, and they're just ripping this thing off. Isn't that good? Because they knew if they can just get him to Jesus. I wonder what the conversation was before they even left the house. Dude, we've just been praying for you. Thanks. We just want to encourage you. Thanks. We think you should go see Jesus. Yeah, I can't move. We'll carry you. Oh, we just need to get you to Jesus. And they carried him all that way, however far that was. They get there. The door's blocked. We did not carry him all this way for nothing. And they got crazy. And they ripped the roof off for this guy. There's all kinds of, of scriptures, um, you know, on all of these. And 1 Thessalonians 5, Hebrews 10, Matthew 18. Think about someone who is, they've been spiritually paralyzed for so long. They've, they've found themselves more than just staring blankly at the wall sin is caught up with them. Sin is now rampant. And they're in it. And they just can't back out of it. They can't get out of there. They've tried. They've tried everything. But the bottom line is there's a disconnect. And they just need someone who can step in and say, please help me. Maybe they're not saying it with their words but maybe it's their deepest prayer. All they can do is think knowing that the Lord can read our thoughts. They just want someone to rescue. And we've been praying for them. We know that something's up. We might have even encouraged them. Brother, I just want to encourage you to stay faithful in the Lord. Not that that's Sometimes it takes more than that though, right? And so we say, you know what? I'm willing to rip off the roof the Lord says be a hero be a hero if your brother sins and the implication there is if your brother is in a place where he has no idea what he's got himself into he has no idea that he is paralyzed that he is just being a fool be a hero Don't just pray for him. Don't just encourage him. Go and show him his fault. In private, if he listens to you, you have won your brother. That's what the Lord wants. He wants to win again. Why? Because he's the champion. And he says, you be a champion. You be a hero. You champion for that person. And if you do it, if you'll be bold, if you'll take that difficult step of, Confrontation or whatever, you guys know what I mean, then you may win your brother and accomplish Ach E ro, to put an end to that man's situation. Amen. I want us to do something very similar. As last week, last week we answered the que- we asked the question, who in our lives or on our hearts that we just got to see a radical change? It's time. You guys know you ever said that? Man, it's just time for them. It's just time. How many we said, how many people have we said that about? It's just time, dude. They just. And asking that question, who have we been in their, in their lives? Have we ripped off the roof yet? Have we ripped off the roof? Who's ripping off the roof? Are people letting them stay in that state of paralysis? That's not God's heart. He says, with the gospel, carry, lift up, be a pillar in their life. God, the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four pillars of the gospel, testifying to God's grace and goodness and power and ability to rescue. Amen? Are you willing to be a pillar? Are you willing to be someone that will, that will uphold someone, get them to a place, carry the gospel in their life? Amen? So this week... Last week we said, who is those people? And you may have since then added someone to your list. But I want us to respond. I want us to come together as the body and be a bunch of heroes. And you're welcome to come up here to the altar. I think there's something significant about that. But if you'd like to get in your seat, bow, kneel, put yourself flat flat on the floor. And let's contend to another level for these people. And let's ask a specific question before the Lord tonight. And we got plenty of time. Look at there. It ain't but 6.15. And let's ask the Lord, how am I supposed to rip the roof off in this person's life? Do I need to confront lovingly? Of course, Scripture is very clear about that. We don't go in with a jackhammer. But speaking truth in love, do I confront what do I need to do? I need to, do, you know, whatever it is. And Matthew eighteen gives a, a great example of: if they don't respond after you rip the roof off, then you keep digging. You keep digging because I'm not willing that they would perish. Because my Lord has stirred that in my heart based upon His love. And so Matthew eight say, eight, uh, eighteen, six, what is it? Matthew eighteen says: if they don't listen to you when you bring a brother, then get, go get two or more witnesses who can hear what's going on and confront
1: rip the roof off.
0: The scary thing is if they still don't respond, it says bring them before the church. And if they still don't respond, it says put them aside. Let them to their devices. Let them to their ways. They obviously want to stay paralyzed. Do you remember the man by the pool of Bethesda? The one that they stirred? And the Jesus guy was, you know, I can't get to the pool to be healed. And Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And that's a valid question, isn't it? Some people may not want to, but we do everything we can to rip off the roof. So I want us to take a time of, of prayer and intercession with those two questions. If you weren't here last week, you may, it may be that you're answering both of those. Who in your life are you contending for? Who has been on your heart? They have got to be pulled out of the muck, out of the mire. You've prayed. You've encouraged. It's time to rip off the roof. Who is that? And then ask the Lord specifically tonight. How do I rip off the roof in their lives? Amen. Jesse and Sean are just going to kind of sing over us and minister to us. And maybe there's words if you want to sing along. But what we want to do is we want to step into another realm of spiritual intercession for those people. And ask the Lord to give us wisdom and discernment. And boldness to rip off the roof. These guys weren't, they weren't weren't concerned about insurance policies. They weren't weren't concerned about anything except that man being loosed. Amen. So let's posture ourselves. If you want to sit there, if you want to come forward, if you want to kneel. But let's just begin praying and interceding. Just have a time where they're ministering over us. Lord, thank you.
1: Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. The grace is found this way.
0: seeing the faith of the four men who carried the paralytic Jesus said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven I love that because that's always again the baseline thing that God is wanting to do but some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts Let me just say that their reasoning was based on religion. Their reasoning was based on religion. They were saying, Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't realize he was the hero. Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way, reasoning through religion within themselves, he said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, to forgive sins and then he said to the paralytic I say to you get up pick up your mat and go home and immediately he got up picked up his mat and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were all glorifying God saying we've never seen anything like that. These last few moments, I want us to add to our prayers, prayer of repentance, because I think one of the things that keeps us from reaching out and being a hero and champion for people is just religion. We just judge them, and we're just thankful that their sin is worse than ours because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Am I the only one that's ever been in that place? Why do you reason in your own hearts? Lord, we repent right now. And, and I just encourage you, if that resonates with something in your heart, in your own words, to voice these, these words of repentance. Lord, we repent right now. And we say that we are sorry for the way that we have held back on that which is good in our lives, Christ in us, the hope of glory, how we have held back, kept the gospel to ourselves. We repent and we ask that you would move on behalf of our friends, the people that we're crying out for, Lord. Lord, we see that you are the Son of Man, that you are the one who has the authority, the only one who is able to truly loose the people that we are praying for. So we repent. We add to our prayers prayers of repentance. We say that we're sorry. Forgive us. Lord, we ask that you would say to the people that we are praying for right now, your sins are forgiven. And we ask that you would say to them, get up and walk.